saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed epiphany season to all of you this Thursday, January the 20th. And we gather this next hour around the inspired and true word of God and the word made flesh who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And this light of Jesus, this epiphany season shines on us on Matthew chapter 11. John the Baptist sends messengers with a question, are you the one? And I tell you what, and I'm, I'm looking forward to digging into this this morning because I know for me, when I've led this in Bible study, we will spend forever trying to figure out, did John know? Did John not know? What's happening? And sometimes I've done this and I fall short where I don't focus on the words of Jesus. How does Jesus reveal who he is? This is why this is a great epiphany text for you today, as Jesus slowly reveals who he is and puts it out right in front of us that his kingdom is different than any other kingdom that is anywhere on this earth because it's all his kingdom and it is led by grace. So we will dig into this, look at the riches that we have within as we see Christ, for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information of their great work of providing Christ-centered resources around the world, lhfmissions.org. Joining us today to be strengthened by God's Word, we have back with us regular guest, Pastor Stephen Tice, Vacancy Pastor of Emmanuel Lutheran Church in New Wells, Missouri. Pastor Tice, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Thank you very much. It's great to be with you, Brady. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah happy Epiphany, and um, I'm assuming it's not negative 15 down there. No, no, we've we've gotten all the way up to positive 12 today. <laughs> well, it's the same kind of deal. So, Pastor, tell us what's happening for you, your family, and the work of the saints at Emmanuel. Well, we're, we are, as you mentioned, uh, moving in the Epiphany season through the the focus of, of the gospel readings, the the lessons on Jesus being manifested or made clear as as to who he really was. And of course, as we've structured our scripture readings, we conclude Epiphany with uh, Transfiguration Sunday. So we're looking at, at this realization that Jesus makes clear and makes known who he is. In fact, our, our reading from Matthew 11 today is, is part of that that concept, a part of that process, um, but it's also the this time of time of year where where people are saying, okay, uh, winter has sort of set in. Some of the farming routines have have slowed down, and so there's a focus on on a few other things. Uh, the folks at Emmanuel are in the process; uh, they're continuing the call process and putting together details for for compiling a list of candidates. So we pray for. God's continued blessing on that process, and, and ask, encourage everybody who's listening to to keep in prayer all congregations seeking a pastor, and that God would raise up uh, a man to serve in, in those vacant parishes, also that God would raise up from his church men to be pastors, women to be teachers, deaconesses to serve in the church, because, again, these, these servants come from the church, and, and they are the gifts of God who gives them, Scripture's explicit, he gives some to be pastors, teachers, etc. But we pray God to do what he's already committed to do, and we ask God to guide us to those things. Uh, the folks at, at New Wells are preparing for their annual um, fish fry or fish dinner, although this year it's going to be uh, just drive-through pickup only, no sitting down at the table and visiting, which 
kind of, you know, puts a mild damper on the events. But on the other hand, it's still a chance for the members of the parish to, to focus on a project together. And that really is where we go with these things. It's about the people working together on a joint venture as members of the body of Christ, this unity we have in Jesus. So um, my wife and I, God willing, and everything going as planned, which rarely happens, are going to be spending some time traveling out to New Jersey to visit our son, daughter-in-law, and three grandchildren who live out there. We get to see the other family members who live in the metro St. Louis area more frequently. But God willing, we'll go out there at the end of the month and spend a week visiting with them and maybe get to some warm weather a little further south after that. But you never know. You never know. It'll, it'll get you warm eventually, know. but yeah, I don't know when. <laughs> well, we we settle in, and, and here's the opportunity to be in God's Word, because we know we're not going outside. So here it is. Here's yeah. the opportunity that the Lord has given to us. And I appreciate what you're saying with that the, the really what we had just previous chapters in, in Matthew chapter 9, where the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. And so like you said, it's time for us to pray. It was true then and it's true now. So, Pastor, can, on that note, can you begin our time and ask the Lord's blessings in prayer? Absolutely. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty and gracious God, you have given us your word so that by the word recorded in writing by the prophets, the evangelists, the apostles, we might have access to the word spoken and lived in our Savior Jesus we thank you for his sacrifice of himself to us, both his active obedience, keeping the law in our place and fulfilling all righteousness, and his passive obedience, submitting to death that he never earned or deserved, but each of us have. We know that you desire all to be saved. We know that you want all to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so you sent Jesus. But before he came, you sent John to prepare the way. Jesus is coming back. Please use us to help prepare others, to welcome him with joy when he returns. Bless the sharing of your word. Bless our study of the word. Bless all those who are suffering any pain, hurt, loss, and disappointment due to health problems, relationship problems, natural catastrophes, persecution, and affliction, all of which remind us that this kingdom is not the permanent one that is ours in Christ. We are in it, but not fully enjoying it. Yes, bless our study and our time together in service to you and one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have any questions as we explore the text today and see Jesus, as you, our listeners, know, Pastor Tice always has done his homework, and he's able to shoot from the hip quite often in Scripture. So send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, or call us, 314-821-0850. Now, Pastor, I want to share this because this has been really fun. The first few weeks uh, here in the new year, um, I've asked listeners to tell us where they've been listening from. And so far, we received uh, listeners who have been listening uh, emails from people from Hawaii and Alaska, two of the places that you would think would be the hardest to reach. Um, we have listeners there. So shout out to our listeners in Alaska and Hawaii. Um I'm assuming in Alaska we might have the same temperature, but Hawaii, hopefully they're not at negative 12 degrees. What do you think? I, I think there's one spot in Hawaii that can get that cold. It's the top of a mountain, and we have a uh, <laughs> national weather observatory and satellite or um, uh, space telescope type thing up there on, on the big island. It actually does get that cold there once in a very, very rare time. But gotcha. Well, now not. we know. Yeah. See? Yeah. This is what I'm telling Hawaii you, folks. Has, 
Yep, Hawaii has uh, nine of the 11 climate zones in our planet, including wow. the uh, Arctic tund- tundra. So. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, this is why you need to call in and ask Pastor Tice. He can even tell you about Hawaii and the temperatures there. So anyways, well, we're here to study the Word of God. And here's what I'm going to do, Pastor. We're going to stop by reading all 19 verses that we have to kind of wet our palate as we hear the Word today and come back and receive our first thoughts. So okay, I'm ready to go. You ready? Yes, sir. Go ahead. All right. Reminder to our listeners, we'll be reading from the English Standard Version of Matthew chapter 11. And it reads, When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples that said to him, Are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And they went away. Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. And when did you go out to see? And what then did you go out to see, excuse me, a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. He is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah, who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he is a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Pastor, we hear a lot, John the Baptist, and then Jesus preaches, and he has wonderful words to say. How do you want to start us off? Well, we're looking at this this understanding that uh, we're transitioning now. Jesus has just sent the 12 apostles out. They've, they've been given a task to heal and teach and drive out demons. And then after that, he completes an instruction with them about the, the mission work, if you will, that, that he's called to do and that they're going to do. And when he's finished instructing the Twelve, uh, it would be the second of his discourse sections in, in John, Matthew's Gospel here, he then moves on to teach and preach in their cities. And what happens now is we see that Jesus runs into a type of initial opposition. And and the opposition he identifies partly in in what he says in verses 16 and 17. Um, But but as we look at the the flow of the Gospel of Matthew, this is a, a, if you can call it a transition point, and and 11 verse 1 
kind of summarizes what happened beforehand, and 11 verse 2 moves to how we see Jesus identified publicly in ministry, but being opposed. And part of it is because the people didn't expect Jesus to be doing what Jesus is doing, or as I like to tell people, in Jesus' time, there was a, an expectation about how the Messiah would operate and what the Messiah would accomplish. And Jesus starts some of those things, but not in the way that people thought would be manifest or shown forth. Put it another way, so far he's not attacked one single Roman, and he's not tried to drive out any foreign occupiers. Now, he's been driving out the foreign spiritual occupier of demons. And if you think about the people of Israel expecting the Redeemer to come and set them free from captivity, they might have been thinking in the political, geopolitical sense of, of national, international uh, politics. But God meant that in the spiritual sense. And so Jesus is fulfilling the Messianic promises, but not the way the people thought it would look. And if you think about who John is and what John did, John was in prison because he was standing up for and proclaiming the word of God as the last of the prophets. And, mm -hmm. and this is clear in the reference to Elijah. But, but this whole understanding that John is the last of the prophets, and as one person put it, he stands with one foot in the Old Testament age of the prophets and the other foot in the completed time of, of the fullness of time, the arrival of the Christ. And here is John, this firm proclaimer of the truth, in prison. And when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, and this is a place where Matthew uses that title specifically. This is the Hamashiach, the anointed one. This is the Christ. He heard about the deeds of the Christ. Matthew has no problem saying Jesus is the Christ. But John's question is, are you the Christ? Matthew says right up front, he is the deeds of the Christ, fulfilling the promise. John in prison is saying, this isn't exactly what I thought this would look like. If God's in charge, why am I his prophet in prison? How is this God fulfilling his promises? If I look at the world around me, and there's a pandemic going on, and truth is being ridiculed, and those who stand up against violence and against uh, deceit and lies are being told that they have to sit down and be quiet, and, and international situation is such that threats and violence are repeated around the world. If this is the peace that God brings into the world through the promised Savior, what's going on? Is Jesus really the guy? You know, and we, we have a tendency to project back on John as if he has doubts as to who Jesus is. I don't think that would be accurate in a sense. I think it's, he has doubts that if Jesus is who he says he is, and he's pretty sure he is, why isn't, thing, why isn't anything changing? His, his question is really, is this what God planned to do? Is, are you really doing the work you're sent to do here? This doesn't look right to me. That's, that's how I would take this. John sent word to Jesus, are you the one who is to come, or Kamenos, the coming one, or shall we look for another? It wasn't so much that John had doubts as to who he was, John personally, or even that Jesus was the one he was to baptize and the Spirit would descend on him and he'd see and know his question is, if you're really the one, why in the world isn't it working better? Why literally in the world doesn't it look different? His expectation of what the Messiah's work, what the Messiah's activity would produce, 
initially, Jesus going around healing sick, driving out demons, preaching good news, you know, that that's not too difficult. But Jesus has been apparently doing this for a period of time now, and John's in prison. So John's question is, are you the one who is to come? Or should we look for another? So we're looking at John struggling with this whole issue of why doesn't this look like God's in charge? And if you think about the world you and I live in today, there's many of our listeners that are going to have the same response. If God's in charge, why is this happening? Why is the violence increasing? Why is why is the nation disrupted? Why are international relationships so disrupted? I mean, certainly we know that Satan's here in the world. Satan is attacking and Satan wants to destroy. But Jesus is in charge, right? Didn't he say that? Mm-hmm. So if he's in charge, why does it look like this? And so at one level, I, I think we should probably say, you know, we're a lot like John. We're asking, you know, the old song, is this all, is this all there is? You know, well, <laughs> no, this isn't all there is. But what are we actually seeing? See, what are we expecting to see? Not what has God told us we will see, but what are we expecting to see? And I think that's part of John's problem. What he expected the Messiah to do is not what he's seen Jesus do. And so he's mildly or severely, take your pick, puzzled. It reminds me of a sermon that I heard during uh, college, actually, when I was looking at being in ministry and one of my mentors had a sermon and, and his comment was, that if you are looking for a certain type of Jesus and it's not that Jesus, maybe we should give your money back because, and it was actually during the epiphany season, that probably was part of the the point. And he wasn't trying to be rude or mean or anything, but he's just kind of like, this is the Jesus of which we promise. And so if you are looking for a different Jesus, one that will give you political power or give you more mm-hmm. money or give you perfect health, well, you may as well give us your money back. Um, it will give you your money back and you can go invest in that. But I tell you what, you'll never find it because this mm-hmm. is the Jesus of which yeah. we are. So this question that he asks is the same question that we have all the time, not just of unbelievers. You know, is this the one or should we look for other, but our own hearts? Because yeah. we will get mis- misinterpretation of who Jesus is. Any thoughts on that? Uh, this question is still being asked today. Any Any reflections on that in ministry or how you see the world today? Yeah, but I uh, frequently encounter this interaction with people who had one individual who told me at one point in time that, that they had trouble understanding God and, and reading the Old Testament was frustrating to them because of the frequent way in which the Old Testament record shows, especially as the people left Egypt in the wilderness and entered Cana, that God instructed them to kill everybody. And, and to this person's sensitivities or perceptions. And I think as Christians, we hear Jesus say, love your enemies, forgive those who persecute you, etc. We're saying, okay, the Old Testament, so much violence under God's command, this doesn't match the way I expect God to be. And so I have trouble with seeing it that way. And I think, again, comes back to that very simple reality. It's not how I expect God to be. God doesn't have to meet my expectations to be God. He's God because he is God. And, and we always have, as human beings, we always have this problem, that we want God to make sense to us instead of letting God tell us what is true and then believing it 
even when it makes no sense to us. But this is, again, the, the whole paradox, if, if you will, of the gospel, that, that God took on human nature, that Jesus is the coming one. We don't need to look for another. And what he came to do was to die. And, and God came to die for sinners. Hmm. That's what God came to do. What, what kind of a God comes and dies? The answer is the God we have, the God who loves us with an everlasting love. Now, that may not be the God human beings expect, but it's the God who is. And I think, as, as you and I look at this, you know, if, if this is not the Jesus you were looking for, the problem is not that we didn't give you what you were looking for. The problem is you were looking for the wrong thing. And Jesus said to his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, Peter pulls out the sword and cuts off the, the ear of Malchus. And Jesus says, put away your sword. This isn't, this isn't the deal. I didn't come here to have a war. I didn't come here to fight physically. If, if I was going to have a fight, I wouldn't bring in Galilean fishermen. I'd go get 12 legions of angels and do it right. But, you know, <laughs> it, this, is, this is not what I came to do. And so yeah. as we hear this, hear this, Pastor, I want to be able to read before our break in about three minutes is that verses four through six are so vital, especially when you look at the interpretive key of Matthew, that this is about the mm -hmm. kingdom of, of Christ. So uh, Christ's kingdom has come. Uh, he's still yeah. he's, his kingdom is still here and his kingdom is coming. And so we see it through this lens of Isaiah 61, because this kingdom is different than anything else. So let me, you've already set it up. You basically read through verse three. So let's just, I'm going to read four through six and get your first thoughts before we go to our break. Mm -hmm. And Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So, Pastor, he quotes from the Old Testament. What is he quoting? He is, he is quoting the promises from Isaiah that the Messiah will come, and when he comes, God will use him to be the one who is opening the eyes of the blind, setting the captives free, to, to restore that which was broken and crushed. And if you think about the, the whole structure of the, the Babylonian captivity, the ones who couldn't make it off to Babylon were left behind. And the ones who weren't able to serve the Babylonian leaders were generally ignored. And, and the, here's the key thought. Those who couldn't cleanse themselves, who couldn't heal themselves, are now healed. The dead are raised up. And the poor are gospeled or have the good news preached to them. Uh, this, this focus now is on God keeping the promise that the good news is coming. And then verse 6. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And this is really the introduction now to the next whole segment of Matthew's gospel, because what we hear from here on in are people who are offended at Jesus. And so we go back to the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed is the one not offended. The poor have the good news. It, it almost picks up that same theme from Matthew 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. So we're picking up that theme again. And this is where... We hear this, that really throughout the whole thing, who is the most blessed 
of all people, and it's the poor. And he does this with children, right? Puts a child in the middle. Mm-hmm. He does this with here. He speaks about the poor. So at first you're like, oh, that's good. You know, those homeless people, they 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 need good news. And here, when you look at it through this beatitude kind of re-preaching that he's doing, reteaching, mm-hmm. is he saying you need that poor news, a good news preached to you? I mean, you are the poor in spirit yourself. And so he just keeps bringing us back in. He keeps bringing the disciples and the Pharisees and everyone back in and reminding them of what their identity is without him and then just pouring on their identity with him. It's something that I continually see throughout this text. Any other thoughts? Mm-hmm. We have about a minute left before our break here, Pastor. Anything else on Isaiah 61 when Jesus speaks here? Well, we're looking at, at again, this, this whole understanding that God is restoring his nation. And, and this is kind of the, the key thought here with John the Baptist. John is from the priestly family. John is, is the last of the prophets uh, before the coming of the Christ. And his, his work is done. That's why he's in prison. He has no more work to do. We sometimes miss the fact that God allows John to be imprisoned to make the clear statement. His job is done. Now the Christ takes over. And so this is, this is the fulfillment this is it. He's here. So, <laughs> it's right in front of you, folks. There's no questions about it. But right now, we need to take our break. We'll dig into more of what Jesus has to say in Matthew chapter 11 with Pastor Stephen Tyson. We'll be right back. In 1924, by the grace of God, KFUO began broadcasting the good news of Christ for you. A long part of this history is bringing you worship services to hear and receive the good gifts of God in His Word. This Sunday morning, join us for services from Trinity Lutheran Church in Edwardsville, Illinois at 8 a.m. and Village Lutheran Church in Ladue, Missouri at 10.40 a.m. as well as Bible study from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in De Pere, Missouri at 9.30. Hear Christ for you in Sunday morning services on KFUO. This is the voice of a mother in the faraway country of Georgia, reading to her six-month-old son about Jesus from a Bible storybook written in the Georgian language. The child's Bible was given to her by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, and the Holy Spirit is working powerfully through your support of LHF to make events like these happen every day. Help another family learn of the Savior. Learn how at lhfmissions.org. And welcome back. We are studying Matthew chapter 11 with Pastor Stephen Tice of Emmanuel Lutheran Church in New Wells, Missouri. And Pastor, as we've gone through these first six verses, it really is laying the groundwork for the next piece when when he's really preparing people for even more, as we know that John the Baptist is always preparing, Jesus is always preparing his people for what's coming next. And now we get to learn more about John the Baptist himself, which is really, really fun. But first, he gets into um, those you know, Isaiah 61 and showing that he is a fulfillment, and that's how we ended. So, Pastor, before we move on, anything else you want to um, highlight before we move on to John the Baptist? 
Well, the the, uh, the interesting thing about uh, John about Isaiah sixty one is this contrast between mourning and rejoicing, and that actually shows up in in Jesus' comment about the criticism that that's been made about both he and John. So it's it's one of those incidentals that's in there. But if you haven't read sixty one lately, Isaiah sixty one, you won't find this dirge and mourn contrast. So yeah. Oh, we'll get to that. Oh, that's exciting. So let's move forward here, verses 7 through 10. And as they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with this, Pastor, is John the Baptist is one of those folks, in some ways, he almost should be called John the Repentist. You know, he's repenting, mm-hmm. he's getting people to repent. But John the Baptist is one of the more, um, he's one of the most uh, clear, clear and confusing people, I think, of all of Scripture, where you're like, well, wait a second. Wasn't he a cousin? Wouldn't they have known each other? But didn't he know? Didn't he understand this? And it, and that's what I love about Matthew 11 is he really brings forth who John the Baptist is and who he isn't. So how does he begin by portraying John the Baptist and challenging the crowd of what they were going to go see? Well, what, what he's doing is he's, he's actually moving to a discussion with the crowd because the crowd had been following Jesus uh, as he did things. And, and now the disciples of John have been there. He talks to them, and as they go away, he turns to the crowd. As they went away, as they were departing, now as they were going away, Jesus begins to talk to the crowds, and he talks about who John is. And, and he has these three questions, which is, again, a rabbinic teaching method. Ask a question. And, and when he asks the question, he kind of answers the question with another question. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? Number one, a reed shaken by the wind? Well, obviously no. But what's the, what's the focus? Well, a reed, a reed shaken by the wind is, is something that's standing upright and then wavering as wind blows back and forth. And here's John in prison because he literally was not moving with every wind of, of public opinion. He stands firm before Herod the king, uh, condemning his sin, and he's in prison. So he's obviously not a reed shaken by the wind. Um, you know, and, and the other thing with reeds, uh, if you're watching a group of reeds and they move in sequence, there's usually an animal walking underneath the, the sight line and shaking the, the reeds. But when the wind does it, then they, they kind of flutter back and forth and then stop again. So do you investigate the reed, uh, or you just conclude it's the, the wind doing it? And he says no. Uh, obviously, that's not John. You didn't say, we don't know who he is. You went out to see him, by the way. You went out to see him. The crowds went out to see John and were baptized by him. So as Jesus engages the crowd, he engages their personal interaction with John, who called them to repent because the kingdom of God, the reign of God is at hand. Repent. This is the message John brought, and it's the same message Jesus starts with. Uh, this repentance for God's kingdom is at hand. So this this understanding that the crowd listening to him already knows who John is, knows where John is now. And so Jesus is getting back to what was John's message? 
who was John preparing for? And, and the answer is clearly he was preparing for Jesus, but he asks the question first. Okay, well, it wasn't a reed shaken by wind. Well, what then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? And there's somewhat of a little irony here, um, <laughs> because those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses, and as, as uh, Dr. Jeff Gibbs points out in his commentary on Matthew, the contrast is that John the Baptist is not in a king's house, he's in a king's prison. This is, this is not a, a guy who's on the inside track, he's not a popular fellow, he's not got the king's ear, he's literally thrown in prison because of what he said to the king. So a man dressed in soft clothing? No, that's not what you weren't going to see, some politically connected fellow. What then did you go out to see? It's a prophet. Yes, more than a prophet. And now Jesus comes down to who John really is and what John really came to do. What John came down the road to do and went out in the wilderness to do was to prepare the way. He is more than a prophet. He is the last of the prophets before the Messiah. And then he summarizes uh, this statement drawn from actually two different places, uh, Exodus 23 and Malachi 3. Mm -hmm. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. And, and this whole focus on whose face is it, um, you know, this, this is part of what we're dealing with. I will send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. This is the one now that Jesus says his purpose was to do preparing. Who was he preparing for? If John came as a prophet to prepare the way of somebody, and, and going back to the Old Testament passages, you know, it's before the face of Yahweh. You know, it's, it's, it's God's way he's preparing. And you all went out and were baptized by him, and you went and witnessed his preaching and heard what he had to say. Okay. This is the one who came to prepare the way for whom? For the Messiah, the coming one, God who is coming among his people. And then from there he moves to verse 11 to say that among those born of women there has risen none greater than John the Baptist up to this moment where, as I said before, John had one foot in the Old Testament as the last prophet and one foot in the, the new age or the fullness of time with the birth and arrival of the Messiah. So that even though no prophet before John, nobody born before John has been greater than John, yet a new reality begins with the arrival of the one who is to come has actually arrived. The Messiah is here. And so then Jesus goes on to say, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Mm. And it's, uh, just a real quick comment here on, on John the Baptist and and. Uh, the whole process in the Old Testament of, of people who are types, if you will, of someone else, in a way, Samuel is a type of John the Baptist, at least I would propose that he is. And I'll give you a couple quick places to hang that. Number one, Samuel's mother Hannah was childless and so prayed for a child. And so God heard her prayer and granted a child. Zachariah and Elizabeth were childless and had been praying for a child. We don't know how long, how soon uh, that prayer began, or when they stopped praying, if they had stopped praying, but the angel says to Zechariah in the temple, the Lord has heard your prayer. And he says, yep, you get a child. Here comes a little boy. Hmm. And the one is, is 
chooses to be called, the Lord has heard my prayer, Samuel. The other one, they're instructed, call him gracious because God is a giver of great gifts. Both are born into the family of Levi. Both serve as spokesmen for God to the people. Samuel specifically, as a prophet, also addresses the kings of Israel. John, as God's prophet, speaks to the king, Herod. Not always well received when they bring the word. Neither one is is popular necessarily with the king all the time, but they always speak God's word. And in the process, we see the one who is making preparation for his kingdom and the reign of his king uses the prophet. Samuel anoints Saul, then he anoints David. John proclaims the repentance of, of God for the people and forgiveness, and then he baptizes Jesus and the Holy Spirit descends on him as a dove. So we have these parallels between John and Samuel. And mm-hmm. in that Samuel serves until David is king, and God makes a promise that he will establish David's house forever. And then John serves until Jesus begins his public ministry and says, I am now the fulfillment of, of God's promise, as you mentioned earlier from Isaiah 61. So we have this, mm-hmm. this parallel. And then we look at verse 11, none greater than John the Baptist, yet he was least in the kingdom of heaven. And that's what the promise was. Repent, the kingdom of God is here. He was least in this current age, this new age, the fullness of time, is greater than John was. So this is, this is a you know, application for you and me today, for those Christian people who sometimes think, I don't amount to much. Jesus says you're greater than John the Baptist. Right. I'm not making that up. You can't blame me for that one. <laughs> Jesus said that. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. And, it's and it goes right... Tell people it's in the book. I don't make this stuff It's up. in the it's book. In the book. <laughs> and this is why verse 3 of the Beatitudes, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit is that same understanding of we can look down the Baptist and go, wow, that guy, you know, he even went to the point mm-hmm. of persecution for his faith. And yet, what about me? And here he's saying, listen, he's the greatest of all the prophets, but yet the least in the kingdom is greater than he, which points us mm-hmm. once again to God's grace, the, the, the forgiveness he gives, everything that comes from top down as opposed to us trying to work our way up to God. Pastor, we do have a question here this morning. Actually, I have two questions, but I'll start with this one. Is you've said this and, and beautifully is that you know John the Baptist was the last of the prophets. But how would we then speak about the apostles and, and the other John, you know, the Gospel of John and other people that many times we kind of talk as if they're prophets? So how would we you know make sure our terms are correct as we speak about all those sure. people? I think I think we have to understand the, the word prophet in the sense that prophet is one appointed by God to speak out God's word. Uh, the actual word prophecy comes from, from a, a verb that means to proclaim or speak forth, not so much to predict. And, and the prophets mm. before Jesus, up to and including John, all pointed ahead to the coming Christ. The apostles, evangelists, and those who speak God's word out since Jesus came, died, and rose again are speaking about a completed event of the coming one. In, in his first coming as a, a baby in Bethlehem. And so we make that distinction that the, the call is Jesus himself in many and various ways. Hebrews 1, verse 1, God spoke to his people of old through the prophets. And now he doesn't have to because Jesus came. And this is why we, we can talk about one as an apostle evangelist or one who speaks out God's word in that sense of a prophet. 
but not as one sent to the nation of Israel to proclaim, or as Jonah mm-hmm. was sent sent to Nineveh, you know, to the Syrians to say to them, uh, you know, you, you need you need to clean up your act. Um, the the nations are sent out. Uh, the, the apostles and, and all the church are sent to all the nations, preach the gospel to all the world. And, and so when we look at prophets today, a prophet might be one who speaks out God's word in a place where people need to hear it, but not in the sense of preparing for the coming of the Messiah. The Messiah has already come. We're all preparing for Jesus to return. But in that sense, the term prophet now has, has only the the implication of calling out God's truth in front of people as opposed to preparing for the unknown one who will be revealed. Wonderful distinction. You know what? I've, I've never, I should have thought about it in those terms, but that is incredibly helpful for when my, um, my Bible study tries to stump me, which they often do. So that I'm going to have that one ready to go when I get to Matthew oh, well. 11s. <laughs> so, Pastor, one more question that came in from our listener is sure. a, a question about the reed shaken in the wind in verse seven. And you you spoke about mm-hmm. that and, and its implications. But the 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 listener says this: What's the role of the reed in the book of Matthew? Later on in chapter 12, we have a bruised reed will not he will not break. Chapter mm-hmm. 27. The soldiers use a reed as Jesus's mock scepter and then beat him with it. Later, they offer him wine using a reed. Are there connections with all of these or how would you how would you look at that? I would say there there are two connections that come to my mind. One is in the Old Testament. You have the reed, the hyssop reed that was used for marking the doorposts for the uh, lamb blood in the Passover event. Specifically, that, you know, the the use of the hyssop reed uh, to be the the paintbrush handle, if you will. The, the seed pot at the end was used to hold the blood. And then, so the, the raising up of that always, always reminds me of, of the blood covering us. And in the process of, of using it as a, uh, what should we say, a temporary tool that's, that's rigid but hollow. It's, it's not permanently sturdy, but it's useful. And so the, the bruised reed is a reed that's still alive, but has been bent over. And, and what's its future? Well, you can't use it to lift up or hold anything if it's bent over. But see, what God won't do is he won't break that off. And if you think about G- John in prison as being a bruised reed, what Jesus is saying to him is, your trust is valid and your faith is secure. And the disciples who go back to John tell him, you know, this is it. You were right. And I am the Messiah. So the Lord strengthens John even in prison. He won't break him. He, he gives him good word and, and peace and, and assurance through the message the disciples bring back. And so as you're looking at the, the uh, Roman soldiers, part of that is the simple fact that those reeds and stalks would have been readily available and, and not a permanent expense. You don't have to have a supply of them. You just go down the side of the road and cut them off. And, and so, you know, there's this, this availability of a tool that shows up then as Part of the Passover, and then when the Passover lamb is being sacrificed, what do they hold up to him? A sip of, of the, the wine to, to moisten his lips. Some of it's painkiller, he won't take that, but when he needs to speak out loud, he uses that. And so the lifting of, of the needed thing on, on the hyssop reed, and in the, the Passover, the needed thing is the blood of the lamb. So God provides for us what we need for his purpose to be accomplished, just not always where you and I would look for it. 
Thank you very much to our to our listeners. Um, I don't know, send me an email or send me a message just to make sure that those were suffice. I'm writing them down right now, and I'm I I tell you what, whenever Pastor Tice is on, you our listeners just come out with the big guns because he's already proving <laughs> that he'll he will probably have the answer. Thanks be to God for uh, the Holy Spirit working uh, for us this morning. So, Pastor. I want to read verses 12 and go through the end and get some of your thoughts from that. We have about 10 minutes left in our time. Verse 12. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets of the law prophesied until John. And if you're willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But to what shall I compare this generation? As I children sit in the marketplaces and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds." So, Pastor, he speaks more about John the Baptist. What does he tell us? Well, he's, he's talking about the fact that even from the time John started preaching up until now, and this is, again, the time that the Messiah has come, this is the, the new fullness of time that God had planned. The kingdom of heaven, or the reign of heaven, is another way to translate this. And again, uh, I went to school uh, at the same time that Jeff Gibbs did, and so he and I have had this conversation for decades now, um, that, that the reign of, of heaven is probably a better translation than the kingdom of heaven, because the focus is on not the physical or the political or the geophysical uh, location, but the actual God-in-charge reign of heaven. So the authority of the one who's reigning, whether people know it or not. And so this idea that, that the reign of heaven has been violently attacked, or even is being violently attacked, and and uh, this passage has been debated and interpreted through the years in various ways. And I'm just telling you what other people have studied over over time. And and I again I go back to to Dr. Gibbs because I I know his his uh, work and his focus on the Gospel of Matthew. And and he focuses on the fact that even now violent men are still trying to take it by force as he as he takes this verse apart. And so what's going on here is they're trying to take away what God is giving, and, and they have their own way it should be done. And part of what they're doing is they're trying to stop John the Baptist, and they're trying to stop Jesus. And so the attack on the reign of God is going on. And it's going to keep going on now as, as Jesus is opposed and resisted. For the next several chapters, you'll keep running into people opposing Jesus. And so this is kind of an introduction of the, of the theme for the next several parts, uh, chapters of John's Gospel. And then he's, he's basically saying that from the, all the law and the prophets, speaking until John, now he is Elijah who is to come. And now we're, we're in Malachi chapter uh, 4. Um, and, and moving to the end of Malachi, before the Messiah comes, God will send Elijah. And Jesus saying, if you can accept it, if you're able to take this in, if you'll receive what God's giving you, this one is Elijah. And then the phrase, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. The deaf have their ears opened. The deaf hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. If, if, you're, if you're able to hear, listen. If you're willing to receive it, this is the, the 
Elijah to come. Not Elijah back in the flesh, but the spirit of Yahweh is God speaking through this priestly prophet who is the answer to prayer and announced by an angel who comes before me to prepare my way. And John's now, as I said before, removed from the scene. Jesus becomes a central character. And so anybody that wants to hear it can hear it. And then the uh, the, the comment about the marketplace. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's saying basically you have these two different contrasting ways. John the Baptist comes in and you say to him, well, you don't party with us. And then the Son of Man comes and you say, you don't do it the way we think you should. And, and again, it gets back to John's challenge. This isn't the way he thought the Messiah would operate. What's going on? And now they're saying, wait, John the Baptist, he's out there in the wilderness, he eats weird stuff, he doesn't drink much, he doesn't party at all with us, you know, and, 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 and that wasn't good enough. Now Jesus is saying, now I come, and, and my problem is I hang out with the wrong people, and I eat and drink too much with sinners and the wrong kind of people. And, and so you're not interested in either one of us. You're telling us both were wrong because we don't look the way you think the Messiah should look. We don't act the way you're convinced a prophet would act. We don't meet your expectations, and so you won't receive it. He who has ears to hear, let that one hear. And as you and I know, if the Holy Spirit doesn't open our eyes, spiritually we're blind, doesn't open our ears, spiritually we're deaf, we won't hear it. We won't see it. And so Jesus is, is telling us, as he told those people in his own day and his contemporaries, the people in his own period of time, were saying to him, this generation, he's saying, you guys, are, you guys are all telling us John wasn't right and I'm not right. The real problem is you don't have it right. And I think you and I need to hear that in our time as well. First of all, personally, I need to hear it. But also in the life of the church, to, to go back to, as, as one pastor put it, you know, God's word is clear. We just have to let God's word speak. And then as, as layman Ted Kober puts it in his book, um, Built on the Rock, the, mm. the biblical ignorance and lack of Bible study leads people to come up with totally wrong conclusions because the world around us gives us a filter or a pattern to follow but it's not the biblical one, and so it won't work in the church. And, and so you and I, again, need to go back to what Jesus said. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. Well, no, he had the Holy Spirit. If you call the Holy Spirit a demon, you're in big trouble. And then the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And then the last phrase there in verse 19 Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. This is this whole focus on whose wisdom and what has wisdom done. Yeah. Well, wisdom is, is the, the word of God incarnate. And if you go through the Old Testament, again, this shows up in a variety of places. It shows up in Proverbs 8, and it's clear in Job 28, various Psalms, uh, Song of Solomon, and various places where wisdom is very clearly portrayed as the one who creates the world, the one who brings knowledge to the world, the one who causes order to exist, all of which John 1, Colossians uh, chapter 1 tell us, this is Jesus, the Word, who became flesh, is wisdom. And so 
Here Jesus is actually talking about himself when he says, yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. He's saying, I'm actually doing what I was sent to do. Your approval of it, your lack of approval, isn't necessary. I'm still being exactly who I am supposed to be, and I'm still doing exactly what I'm supposed to do. And so you and I, looking at this section here in Matthew, realize that John was troubled because it didn't look like he thought it should. And the contemporaries of Jesus said, this can't be right. It doesn't look the way we think it should. Guess what my problem is? Me telling God, this can't be right, it doesn't look the way I think it should. This can't be God at work. This can't be what God promised. You know, God must have abandoned us. God's forgotten us. God's not here. No, God's here. God's not forgotten. God keeps his promise. The fact that I don't get God keeping his promise doesn't mean God doesn't keep it. It means the problem is my perception. I still remember one young person telling me, I'm not sure if I believe in all that forgiveness and salvation talk. And what I should have said, and this is where I fail often in in applying the word correctly, is forgiveness and salvation does not become, you know, not real because you might not believe it because this forgiveness and salvation in Christ is for you. And, Mm -hmm. And that's something for us to always remember is to proclaim and then pray, Lord, let let him who has ears. Let him hear. So, Pastor, we have about, a, about a, less than a minute left, Pastor. Give us, give us your final thoughts and encouragement as we hear these words today. Sure. Jesus comes among us with God's gifts and promises, and he does what he's here to do. He always will accomplish what he wants. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11, you know, the word comes and does its work, accomplishes the purpose for which God sends it, both the written and spoken word and the word made flesh. And that purpose was to cover our guilt and our sin, make us God's people, and to leave us in this world as light and salt, that we might indeed share the word that ears might hear. Pastor Stephen Tice, vacancy pastor of Emmanuel Lutheran Church in New Wells, Missouri, bringing us God's strong word from Matthew chapter 11. Pastor Tice, thank you again for bringing us his gifts. You're very welcome. It's my pleasure. Thank you. What a joy it is to to celebrate something like this during Epiphany, that our Lord Jesus is our King. So we pray, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And we have heard it this morning, the grace of forgiveness and salvation we have in Jesus. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.